Welcome back to Say What Needs Saying's guest appearance on the In Search of Life podcast. If you haven't yet listened to part one, please do. We touched on several important aspects of the Black Lives Matter movement, racism in general, and more. Near the end of part one, I had to head out for a meeting, and so Brandon took over for the rest of this episode. So, I know, you won't hear me during this part, but I promise, it is well worth your time and well worth the listen. Brandon and Everett touch on several other key aspects of the Black Lives Matter movement, of the feelings of black Americans and those abroad, and so much more. If you have already listened to part one, welcome back. With that, let's continue the discussion. I wanted you to go on this limb with me. So in this hypothetical scenario, you are now the omnipotence of the American culture, right? And your experience with AA and your realization has provided you with the insight that may alleviate stresses of different communities. In a perfect world or in a simulated scenario, and you're the doctor and you're able, or you're the psychiatrist that can prescribe, and you were to sit the black community down, hypothetically speaking, how would you diagnose or prescribe the situation we've been dealt and how you would want to see us move forward, hypothetically? Okay. Um... Obviously, I'm speaking from a from a distance, right? So I don't. I, I yeah. So I, I'm going to just say it as I see it from where I'm sitting at. I think there's a level of <laughs> I'll deviate first. So in in Australia, there was. Do you know what the stolen generation is? No, I do not. Okay, so the stolen. It's really bad. It's horrible, actually. So in Australia, they. I don't know if it was the police or the government. They essentially wanted to. I don't know if it was because they wanted to retrain Aboriginals or what they wanted to do, but they stole children from their families um, and put them into white communities and basically ripped the Aboriginal community apart. It was. It's horrible. Like it was really bad what they did. I don't think that's something that you can recover from. And. I think the question really is how recent is the atrocities really? So you, you, I know that um, slavery is a big topic that seems to come up a lot in America. And then there's the argument also from slavery happened. And then when slavery was abolished, the police was instilled um, to essentially look after the old slaves. And so therefore the police now still has this negative association with, or black people still have this negative association with police because of that. A lot um, of people don't know that. Wow. Mm. And then there's all this modern sort of, uh, and then and then people, and then the black community was imprisoned, um, you know, because they needed to do something with these black people. And then you've also still got, um, uh, you've got the red lining that happened in the 1960s. And you've also got, I can't remember now, but anyway, so like, there's, a lot, there's a lot of things that genuinely did happen. Like you did get a bad hand, you know, that's, there's, there's no denying that. The question really that you need to ask yourself is how bad is the hand that you've got dealt today? And maybe it's even a case that you still have, uh, there's still a gap in terms of, not, not a gap in terms of how you're being treated, but maybe there's a gap in terms of, let's say, for example, if your grandparents couldn't buy a house in the 1960s, mm-hmm. um, that stopped them from getting an economic foundation, right. which would then give you a head start and so on. I could then say to you, to, to put it into a different context, for me personally, so my family, we left South Africa and when we left South Africa, the house that my parents sold was worth almost four times as much in South Africa than what it was in New Zealand. And then on top of that, our currency was divided by three as well. So my family took this major hit that way. 
I ended up seeing myself as a huge victim as well because of this, because I thought, you know, like we, we got dealt a raw hand, so to speak, and it didn't serve me very well to get sour. And I think the way that your dad has raised you personally isn't, uh, that's why I said, and I meant that when I said the fact that he told you you have to work twice as hard as, as, as a white guy, or even for that matter, as anyone else for that matter, it's a, it's a really, really, really strong principle that he instilled within you. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a bit like a bad girlfriend, right? If you've got a girlfriend or a, or a bad boyfriend, it doesn't matter. But if you've got a partner who every time you do something wrong, they haul up the last 10 things that you did wrong. Right. Is that a good relationship or is that a bad relationship? It's a bad relationship. Yeah. And this is the problem that's happening with the quote unquote black community is whenever something happens, when, when you haul up slavery and you haul up all these other things, it doesn't actually help moving forward. And it, it doesn't help either party because it's like, well, I don't think anyone in the US really thinks that slavery was a good thing. Um, I could be wrong, but as well, from where I'm sitting. There's a, a few, a few politicians and a few pastors said it was a necessary evil. Um, Wow. Okay. If we were to forget where that word, what those words were, what they, what they mean, then we wouldn't know what they're attached to and they can happen again. A lot of people say you got to remember the history because if not, it's tend to repeat itself. Many, yes. many Americans, uh, it's interesting. Anytime, anytime we bring up slavery, black people bring up slavery, white people tend to ask the question to us, how come we're not talking about how Irish people were enslaved? And I was going to, and my response is, we don't make the education system. Why don't you talk about the slavery of the, of the Irish, of uh, Irish people? It's right, right, that right. You choose to ignore. We don't choose to ignore our past. You know, there's no level of understanding where we came from. There's Americans don't know that, but they enjoy bringing that up out of, I guess, to shame us for remembering our past. So it's, yeah, and, and so this is an interesting thing, actually. I'm glad, I'm glad you've, you've phrased it exactly the way you phrased it because um, as, so I'll, with alcoholism, right, so what we do is we go to a, a more or less once, some people go more, some people go less, but essentially the premise of alcohol is alcoholics like to forget, you know, so you, you wake up on a Saturday with a huge hangover, a total regret, and you go, I'm never, ever, ever doing that again. And then Friday rolls around and you go, man, I feel pretty thirsty. Eh? I could definitely go for a beer. And then lo and behold, same, same pattern repeats itself. So many alcoholics actually say we go to AA because we forget. And it's important that we remember what we were like when we used to drink. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that you guys remember slavery that in itself is not a bad thing when it is being used in the context of, well, one, it's sort of like you can pay, you can say you could pay homage to your, your ancestors because, um, well, I don't even, pay homage to your ancestors. Say, I, That's the wrong word. Not but, even, but, I, I want to say that uh, there was a, re- a recent ribbon cutting, uh, I think it was for an African-American museum. And one of the a parent's mother, the person who cut the banner, the, uh, the ribbon was a slave. Her mother, wow. someone's mother in this day and age, was a slave. It's, it's not as far back as people want to, to make it. Mm. I'm all for remembering slavery. I'm all for that. And I'm all for being cautious that things don't slip back that way. But I don't think it's healthy when that's being used as a weapon to advocate for something else. Does that make sense? I agree. I agree. So that would be my uh, um, advice to the black community is by all means, remember your past, you know, your part, it's, it's your history. It's a part of what happened to, to your culture. 
I'll give you another example. So South Africa, for example, so the Boers, the Boers were, what happened in South Africa is the, the Dutch settlers came around in the 1600s and they colonized South Africa. And then in the late, 19, late 1800s, so I think it was 1897 to 1902, if I've got my dates right, there was a big Boer War where the English essentially sent heaps and heaps and heaps of English over to South Africa because they wanted to take over because it wasn't a, it wasn't an English settle, settlement it was a Dutch settlement and they wanted to take South Africa over because South Africa was very rich in gold and diamonds the Boers which is essentially my ancestors they were the very first people in the world to be subjected to concentration camps and this is also not that long ago it's like 1900 you know it's now 120 years ago so not quite as recent as your situation but recent enough and I can go through my life and, and hate the English for what they did to the country. And they also actually instigated a lot of racial hatred between the Zulus and the Afrikaners as well, ironically enough. So race, race, race war is not that new a thing. But I have to remember that, um, like what you said, you know, I can't live my life in this toxic pit and die there. And I have to, I have to be saying, what's happening now? Is, there, is this genuine racism? Is this not genuine racism? And I think if you're buying, I, I don't think you are, but, but if a person is buying into this whole systemic and structural racism, mm -hmm. oh man, you're, you're, you're making your own life a misery and you're, you're signing up for something that you don't know what you're signing up for. Right. So many, I guess, middle-aged black, uh, black male population in America are starting to lean more conservative, echoing what you're just speaking on. They said that you can hearken on, you can harpen on it, and there may be difficult things in society that may, you know, because, you know, it's, it's very difficult for Black people to get a small business loan, which impedes upon, like, things like that still, like, you know, are intermingled throughout our society. But they're saying that even with all of those things, you can still be successful and still try to get a semblance of a regular life and still fight for the American dream. That's more like the conservative Black mm. uh, narrative now. So what you're saying and your perspective is not a novel one in the American uh, populace. Now, interestingly, within your scenario and the history of the, I didn't, I don't want to properly uh, pronounce the last name, but <laughs> no, because it's such, it's, it's, I, when things are revered and have respect, I try not to mess up the name. I rather. No, just, you're not going to offend me if you mispronounce it, because it's even if you pronounce it in English, it's pronounced, it's mispronounced. You actually pronounce it Buddha. And I'm sure you can't say Buddha. <laughs> no, Buddha. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's actually pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I know a couple languages, so I try to, I try to emulate different, um, well, that's a huge kudos to you because I, I don't meet many English people who can uh, pronounce the R as we can. Yeah, it's interesting. A lot of them, it's like a genetic thing. They can't, they can't do that. Yeah. Wow. Oh, huge, huge respect. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, that's the new narrative of the, uh, but yeah, back to what you were saying with the, with your people. I could see how you could be, a black American, so to speak, if you're understanding what I'm saying. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. I, yeah. I could, and there's reasons why it exists, how it exists here. And it's reasons why how your situation wouldn't necessarily absolve you with this ingrained hate, because granted, you were, you know, your, your, your name has been coined as the first, you know what I mean? So you, you would have the all right to do that, to have that perspective. But when it's passed down and people, you know, are being, oh, people living in their homes, 
that people just randomly start fires on their homes or the, there's things like KKK just hang you hang people or stories like Emmett Till that happened or all these different things that are passed down. They're constantly being reminded by us to never truly trust quote unquote the smiles because it, 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 it once destroyed your people. You always are going to have that repression to, to integrate, so to speak. And you I've think heard, it's, unfortunately, yeah. I've heard many people begin to bring up the idea saying, should we have, was segregation doing us more of a favor than integration? Oh, man. Yeah. And that's, see, this is a really dangerous thing to go down because that is where I've heard that same argument. And I think it's very ironic that people who are so anti-racist then essentially want the segregation, right? Um, because that's like you say, it's like the, it just the bad thought keeps going further. There's, uh, there's a lot of people in South Africa that would argue that the segregation was better than what it is now. And there's a lot of people that would argue would obviously argue different as well. And, and I, I think personally, I think it's not a racial problem. I think, and people, have you heard the whole argument about it being a cultural problem as well? I've heard echoes of it from different, different iterations. I'm yeah. Sure. And I don't even think it's a cultural problem really either. And I think it's an ideological problem in the context that I, well, I heard, I heard an argument that said black people listen to black, let's say rap music, and to them, the rap music is a way of life. And for white people, it's just lyrics. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a, that's a vast generalization, because when I used to listen to sad music, it made me feel sad as well, you know, and it was whether it was black rap music, or whether it was whatever it was, lyrics has a strong impact on, on me. But I think Again, so I'm going to try and tie it back to the communist view because that's the easiest way for me to talk about the ideological problem. So the problem isn't whether or not we have black people and white people living together or not. The problem is when a group of people, regardless of whether they're black or white, when a group of people have a bad or a a disastrous idea and they're feeding this disastrous idea and that idea starts to take fire and starts to take shape, Carl Jung, I don't know if you've read much of Carl Jung, but he said it's not so much that people have ideas or that people shape ideas, it's the ideas that shape the people. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, here we are, we're sitting, we've had now close to three hours almost on a conversation Mm -hmm. talking about racism, right? So that's how much this, this idea of what's going on at the moment is actually shaping both you and myself and our outlook in life. And if you've fallen into the pit of being sold snake oil, so to speak, then that idea festers within you and that's what makes it toxic. So I don't think, I'm, I'm actually not a pro-segregationist. Uh, I think um, segregation is a bad thing and I think it's to do with um, the ideas. And this is why I think you guys have another huge problem with free speech and hate speech at the moment and why I also think this whole racism thing is such a big problem because if I've got a fear of having this conversation with you, I think we've had an awesome conversation today Um, and I think we've all learned from each other. And if we keep buying into this racism narrative, then we would not be able to have this conversation. That's true. I think I have to, I have to admit, I told myself I can't watch a lot of the police brutality videos anymore because I have a site. I also have like a psychology background. So I know uh, very well versed with Carl Jung. And in regards to the seeing all of those videos, I know that I might develop a complex if I just constantly watch that. I'll I'll have like a ridiculous level of fear of any what person with any type of badge. I know that I can develop that complex, and I have to actively yeah. not do that. I have to actively know 
that racism doesn't happen because so many occurrences happen and a lot of it just goes, you know, undermined or, you know, there's, there's so many different, like, there's so many occurrences and the grand, it may not be a lot in the grand scheme, but as a community, when you, uh, I guess, conglomerate all the different stories over a period of time, it, it shocks you to the point where you have to like snap yourself out of it to say, yo, I'm in the real world. I can't just harbor hate like that. And I have to live in a worldly place. Everything that's happened has happened and can happen to you every waking day. But if you sit in that mindset, you will, you will, you will, you will drown. And every black person has had that actualization that's living to this day. Every black person can tell you, can sit anyone down and at least for a minimum of an hour, talk about stories and scenarios across the American history of things not going in our way. And it will shock anybody to think that you would still smile with a friend or even do a podcast with someone like Zach, who's the exact opposite <laughs> of me. You know what I mean, our connection is through neuroscience. We both have our degrees in neuroscience and biology. And I'm currently a surgical neurophysiologist and he's still in graduate school. So it, it's the things that you have to overlook to create a better bond. And that's my perspective. Well, do you think, okay, so here's a question for you. When you use the word overlook, so for me, there's a, a I'm going to bring it back to alcoholism, right? Mm-hmm. So with, you get two types of sober alcoholics. You get a person who, they call them a dry drunk. So this person, he stopped drinking, he's sober, he's not drinking at all, but he really lives with a high level of resentment. He's always still upset because other people can drink and he can't drink. And he looks at the world with disdain, so to speak. And then you get the other alcoholic who is, you can call it an emotionally sober alcoholic, if you will. And this person has realized 100% down to the core that he is the alcoholic and he can't change it. There's a big problem with my analogy, I know, which is one of my friends pointed out to me that you can't directly associate alcoholism with racism because alcoholism is arguably something that you do to yourself, whereas racism is something that's inflicted upon you. Right, you're born into you're not born into alcoholism. Yeah, although then I spoke to another friend and he said, yeah, but it is genetic, so you, you kind of are born into it. But it's but it's not so much well, the born into it; it's more to do with the the predisposition to get hooked on to something. Like you're not yeah. instinctual to alcohol, but you have that instinctual personality. Yeah, sort of. So I'll I'll put it in a slightly different context. So in other words, my actions dictate whether or not I'm going to be drunk or be sober and have a good life. Whereas the actions of a racist dictate whether or not you are going to be subject to racism or not. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So so that's the the point that my friend pointed out, which is a which is a fair argument. Mm-hmm. So my argument in this whole thing isn't so much that it's racism that's the problem it's to do with one it's the perceived racism and then two it's that whole thing that you said before about the history and needing to overlook some things to make sure that you still have and i don't think you you don't seem to me to be the guy who holds on to the slave history with a I don't think you hold on to it with a level of resentment you probably just look at it with a level of sadness if i'm right yeah, so my mindset, my mentality, so I, my career, I live my life through my career. So I always wanted to be a part of neuroscience. And I've always had this level of a scientific, more of a, as a forced objectivity uh, when it comes to looking at many things in the world. And when it comes to slavery, my ancestors were not played the way Black Americans, uh, the way African Americans 
were. So I cannot naturally absolve, I mean, absorb all of the anguish felt by African Americans. However, I must. Um, so you're saying because because you're you're a Jamaican, you said. So, yeah, yeah, so yeah. your direct ancestors never really were subject to slavery, but as a black person, you identify with the pain that other black people feel, and you feel right. Like so so it's, sort of it's, right, it's, it's more like sadness, and it's, it's it's more disparaging to hear, and your heart feels for it. And unfortunately, that history has current effects, though it's not. I don't know how to word that. You see, like a, a history event affected people that will immigrate fifty years later or a hundred years later. Yes, and and this is the, this is my and maybe as a neuroscience guy, you might actually know something about this um, in the future or something. Uh, so it'd be interesting to catch up with you guys again. Maybe maybe if not regularly, at least in ten years, we need to make it. We need to set a calendar date. Today. No, I, lo- I would love to. I was thinking. About, I was like, this is like uh, one of the best conversations I've had in maybe a year. I, I am. Th- oh wow, Lord, I am. I love it. It's such a worldly. Last time I had a conversation like this, I was in Spain talking to somebody in Germany. Uh, talking with someone from Germany. So I, I am very appreciative of this refreshing opportunity. Uh, like 100%. Like, <laughs> I, can't even, I can't even begin to tell you how, how, how amazing it is to speak to someone who's got a different viewpoint or at least comes from a different background, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. And we can talk about this in such a manner as we are. Oh, of um, course. So we, uh, <laughs> I bet all the listeners will be like, can these guys just stop sucking up to each other? <laughs> right, right. Get a room. Because like, we don't realize we're making a podcast at this point. We're actually right. talking to each other like human beings. <laughs> right, right, right. You're like, oh yeah, I forgot we're recording, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so what I was going to say is with the, the learned trauma, mm-hmm. did, you, did you know that you must know about something called learned depression? Do you know about that? Oh, of course. Yes. Okay. So, do, and I don't know if you've learned anything about this in your neuroscience background, but do you know if there is, because I don't know, I, I just thought that it's learned trauma, but do you know if there is such a thing as learned trauma? Uh, there is. So there's different ways you can associate it. So I guess on a sociological level, the trauma of 9-11 didn't affect everyone, but everyone can feel the effects of 9-11. And people will assimilate how you're supposed to feel with not their true feelings for it so someone like in rural america in idaho may not have experienced because i remember what it was like in 9-11 in new york city it was a blue it was the sky was blue and then i looked up and the sky was black and it was the craziest day i've ever seen like i was remember asking questions in the car while my dad was driving me from uh from my daycare it was very intense but that's a aspect of it when it comes to learned depression uh, they say individuals who have depression in the household are like three times as likely as to develop it themselves. And uh, le- learned behavior is such a environmental basal cue for us. You know, it can definitely be uh, aggregated into our own. There's so many different perspectives on uh, depression and learned depression and different assimilated behaviors. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So it is. Okay. So it is a genuine thing. Yeah. Which is. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and I think that explains a lot of the problem here, which is, 
And, and so when you're asking me before about if I was the omnipotent and I could give advice to the, the black community as a whole, I think that would be my one big advice, which is, have, have you heard the story of the two monks? I'll, I'll tell you the story anyway. You don't have to tell me if you've heard it because it's so mm -hmm. short. So and given that we've spoken for so long, two more minutes isn't going to hurt us. Um, right. <laughs> there's, there's, um, two, there's two monks and they're, they're walking and it's an old monk who's the experienced one and the younger monk. And they get to a river and there's this, um, this young lady and she's trying to cross the river and she's unable to cross it. So the old monk picks her up and he carries her across the river and gets to the other side, puts her down and they keep walking and no one says a word. And then as they get to the monastery, it's like they basically walk for the entire rest of the day. And then as they get to the monastery, the young monk, he just, he's been tromping at the bed. Like he's been highly uncomfortable this whole time. And he just, oh. he can't hold it in any longer. And he says to him, you picked up that woman and carried it across the river. And don't you know that we're, yeah, and you know, we're not supposed to carry or to even touch a woman, you know, and yet you are carrying her across the river. And he says to him, are you still carrying that woman? I never, I never heard that story before. I think it's quite a powerful one. What, what's, the, what's the proper takeaway from it? I think there's a few, but the, the main right. takeaway that I get from it is if something happens, so you need to learn to let go, right? So mm -hmm. having something bad can happen. Mm -hmm. So this guy was, this old monk was obviously like, okay, there's a distressing situation right now. I need to help someone. So he helps someone, which arguably is it good or bad? Who, who knows, right? But he helps someone. And he just carries on then with the rest of his day as though nothing has happened. Mm -hmm. The point being is that the other part person, he still holds on to this. And this is my point with the learned depression, the learned depression or learned trauma, mm -hmm. which is, I think, and I think this is where I get really, really, really mad at the white woke people, like mm -hmm. really mad. Because, <laughs> uh, like, it's, it's ridiculous. Like when a, a white person wants to tell me what a black person feels about slavery, I just go, really? Like, you're going to tell me what, the, what all black people think about slavery? You know, like, you've got no idea. I spoke to, this is an interesting one. I spoke to a young black guy from South Africa. He was a bit younger than me. Because I heard this, I've heard this argument about we feel the pain of our ancestors, you know. And I was really ner nervous talking to him because he's a black guy from South Africa. I'm a white guy from South Africa, you know. Like, it's like, talk about potential tension. Right, right, right. And, yeah, and I, I said to him, you know, I heard this argument for people saying that it's like, you know, they can, they can feel the pain. And I said to him, what, how do you think, what do you think about apartheid in South Africa? And he just straight up said to me, he goes, that's total bullshit. <laughs> and I was like, wow. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, my grandmother grew up with apartheid. And she basically, when I talk to my grandparents about it, they just say, it's over and we should be thankful that it's over and we should live the, our lives as best we can. And that's the thing, you know, and I think I wouldn't go as far as saying slavery was a necessary evil. I would say slavery was, a, it's a fact of history. It's a bad, it's a, it's a bad thing that happened as well. I would also say that, but if you wanted to be as neutral as possible about slavery, you know, I would just say it's a fact that happened and it's not a good thing that happened. And we need to ensure that it never happens again. But how long do we need to, I mean, have you seen these pictures of there's white people in the US walking around and, and acting, reenacting um, slavery? Have you seen that? Yeah, that's the more extreme, extreme, extreme left. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I look you at, don't buy into that. No, I'm, that's, not, that's nonsense. It's for photo ops and all that. But I, I do think that, there, of course, there's a, of course there's, you have a point, right? There's, there's a point where, you know, you don't have to dwell upon it. 
But one thing that a lot of people bring up is how come America doesn't treat slavery the same way Germany treats Adolf Hitler in World War II and all that stuff. Why is why is it not right. apologetic as that? And I would like to hear your answer if you have one for Yeah. That. Okay, so I think that, and this is the thing that I think a lot of the people in the US tend to forget is the US seems to live in a little bit of a of its own bubble. Really? Everyone's, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> oh, I thought you were serious for a second. No, 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 highlighting, a, highlighting the bubble. Yeah, yeah, that, was, that is a world accepted fact that Americans have been pleasuring themselves forever and they don't understand what the real world is. Yeah. And so please don't take this as a justification for it. Okay. This is, no, this is absolutely not a justification, but this is my answer for it. Slavery is as old as the mountains. Like, in the Romans used to enslave the Germanians, which is pre-Germany days, you know, and slaves were sold from like Africans sold other Africans as slaves, you know. Right. So, so slavery is a very, very old thing. And the other thing is as well is that, at some, and it's not just black slaves. So like white people were everyone, if you go back far enough, we were all slaves at some point or another. Right. And I think that's kind of the, the argument is, well, why do we need to specifically apologize, uh, we quote unquote, why do we, why do we specifically need to apologize for black slavery when everyone was enslaved at some point or another, just because this was maybe perhaps the latest or the last of it, you know, does that mean, this is the question, if you, uh, let's say, if you, let's say if we talk about reparations, right, if we're talking about reparations, then how far back do we need to go before we stop paying reparations? Because by that argument, then at least, then heaps of Europeans will need to be paid reparations as well at some point. But I'm not saying I'm I'm being slight, slightly facetious, but and I'm saying that's also the that's the counter that's part of the counter argument. I don't know if you've heard that before. Yes, that's a, that's a pretty that's always been a, a regular conversation within the black community and and you know how would best fit the future of black people. But that's also been more of the forefront and has been been introduced by a couple of government officials in different states. So it's definitely a conversation that's starting to heat up. I've got a question for you since um, we, I don't think we're close to finishing yet. <laughs> what, if you, what if you were the omnipotent guy and you had advice for the black community? So I would almost speak omnipotently because that's my only reference. <laughs> I would like in my head, I'm like, it's like I'm holding all of the black community like in my hand, so to speak. And I'll say mm-hmm. your, your tears have never been more noticed until now. The rights of what's been wrong previously cannot be undone, but will never go unnoticed. We can move forward and I have to hold the opposition in my hand as well to explain that there is a level of intrinsic bias that has been permeated throughout society because of how long it's been in the society. We need the majority to equally understand the minority, the 15%. You do any type of math, uh, scientific equation, you, you expect error. 15% error is not horrific in many general situations. And Black people tend to be in that error group of things that affect us or benefit us. So things, when you start judicially and you know from the government side, legislatively to begin to fix things or to, you know, put funding in the proper places or, uh, you know, allow for people to understand different communities and cultural outreach, then we could come to a better place, but we all have to put our hands in. I emulate more of a Martin Luther King standpoint, 
that's not necessarily an accepted standpoint within the black community. Many people voice for Malcolm X, but that's where my heart lies when it comes to it. Yeah. Did you know that I found this out the other day? Martin Luther King was ac- was actually a Republican. Yeah. So that. Oh, whole- you knew that. Oh, okay. Because yeah. apparently, so- like a lot of people get ba- mad when you hear that. <laughs> I was yeah, testing no. you. No, you got you have to be objective, and I try to once again that uh, I, I, once presented with knowledge, or I guess reiter- reiterated with a fact. Yeah, it must be accepted. But back then, I believe even then the political parties had switched at one point, or there was a politician right. on the Republican side that had more of a uh, a black emulative goal, and that's what made that switch. I forgot the name of the politician, but yeah, I'm aware of that past. Yeah. Okay. I've got another thing. So um, actually, I I would challenge you, um, because you're quite open-minded, I would challenge you to go and find the comments about Trump being a racist. My brother actually asked me the other day, like we were having a discussion about Trump, and he's also very anti-Trump. And he said to me, oh, Trump's a racist. And when I challenged him as to why Trump's a racist, he couldn't answer me. Now, you said um, what you were saying about the Mexicans and and the rest of it. But unfortunately, I don't have it on hand, so I can't um, debunk you, so to speak. But from all the information that I've seen, um, anytime... Trump has been quoted as a racist by CNN specifically and um, that, that side of the news. It's actually been taken out of context. So I think um, that it, it brings it back to the race card is being played against Trump in order to garner votes rather than to really see what the truth is behind it. Yeah, it might be worth investigating for yourself just to, just to as an objective thing. I'm not telling you to go and vote for Trump. I'm just saying no, 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 I'm saying, uh, if- he's genuinely a racist. Of course, I actually will. I'm going to give you some instances, and you tell me whether they're racist or not. So Trump, at one point in time, there was a black individual, I think, and one of the white individuals, I think, I think, spit on him or hit him while he was walking on one of the rallies. On the rallies, and Trump, you know, told the crowd to attack him for no reason. He just told the crowd to attack him, and the crowd began to attack him and to escort him out when he didn't do anything. When did this happen? During his like, election. Because obviously, based on those facts, I would say, yeah, of course, that's racism, right? Okay. Um, my, my, my argument is, do we have all of the necessary evidence around this? It was a, there was a video of it, and they went to court and they hugged it out. Like, it was a, it was a whole news special thing. Like, the two men hugged it out and had an interview together. Uh, what should I'll, I search for if I start off with, roughly? Uh, Trump, Trump fights black men? <laughs> well, black no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, I would say... Uh, Trump voter fights black person at Trump rally. Like that would have to be like the, the trigger words in regards to news to bring it up. Like they talked it out and they, it was like, it was, it was a news thing. So. It was- okay. I'll, I'll go and check it out. Cause, cause like I said, and this is the, I think this is the other problem as well that happens when we start having this conversation or anyone on the opposite side starts having this conversation is what, what you're saying, right. That obviously describes racism. So, and I think what the problem is with the people on the right in this case, so if I'm going to fight the right for a second, instead of saying, yes, I agree with what you're saying, provided that it's 100% true, because in all honesty, I don't know, you know, like maybe I do know, maybe I don't know, or, may, or whatever, like, I'm, and, and I genuinely don't know in this case, I'm not trying to, to run away from it. So if that genuinely did happen exactly as you described it, then I would say, yep, that's that I would mean, like that's uh, I think I almost t- described it how the video progressed. Yeah, I remember watching that covers a couple times. Uh, there was yeah. another time I remember 
um, I guess I'm not sure if you meant racist just towards black people, but um, in Mexican uh, Mexicans, he was like, you know, they're they're rapists. Some assume are good people, like that. <laughs> yes, I but mean, you know, in that, that video, that video, he was actually talking as far as I as far as I know. Don't hold me to it, please. But it's because I don't want us to destroy a whole awesome conversation on on right. a few things that we don't know anything about. But as far as I know, that was him talking about illegal immigrants. I could be wrong. Yeah, that's still, that's still, I mean, whether you're illegal or not doesn't change your character. Just because your papers are illegal, that doesn't make you a rapist. Or I wouldn't assume that you're a killer. Well, no, it doesn't, make you a, it doesn't make you a rapist. But the point that he was trying to make is we need to have borders because people who come in illegally, we don't know anything about them. If you're willing to come across the border illegally, I don't know what else you are willing to do that's illegal. Right. So then you would this assume... And you would assume that they can, of all things, do is like granted that you know there are eleven uh, illegal immigrants that work in the United States support eleven percent of the economy, so that's a huge aspect that you would have to take into account. Like you're clearly not. I mean, that's that that can happen within any community. So to assume that this one community or this one demographic is going to do those things have I guess racist tendencies or like, it's like a preordained prejudice that is unnecessary like to invoke fear you can say also say oh they're gonna bring all the avocados here now that's like, <laughs> what are you talking about you know what i mean there's different ways to 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 word things if his wording is very antagonistic like he said laziness is a trait in blacks i don't know no he did not say that did he Bullshit. <laughs> oh, uh yeah i said uh trump told john uh john o'donnell he said, "I have blacks. I have I have black guys counting my money. I hate it." There's no really, yeah. Okay, that I haven't heard. I saw. I saw. The reason why I'm, why I'm laughing is because I, I don't know if you saw the African American Museum put out a sign that they had to pull back later because they would, they, they, it was all about talking about whiteness and it was pro black people. And one of the things that they said is that white people do their they do their homework before they go out and play. Uh, obviously insinuating that black people go and play before they do their homework, which is oh, wow. why I'm kind of <laughs> laughing because I'm like, well, this is what Trump said. And this is what the American, <laughs> the African-American museum say. So it's terribly racist. Like it's really racist what they did. And I thought it's shocking because that's in defense of black people. And you go, well, that's not helping black people at all. You know, that's, that's horrible. I'm almost apologetic that you even saw that example. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Okay, so okay, so so let's maybe not for the sake of our listeners, let's not get. I'm gonna trust you that uh, what you saw was real, and um, I'm not gonna not gonna argue with you whether or not Trump is a racist, only because I don't have it on hand. But I will agree that you you're telling me this in good faith and good spirit. So, yeah, I, I yeah, I hope yeah. that I can extend my both my memory and my character to say that that story is 100 percent true. Yeah, exactly. So we're, we're, I'm going to take you on, on good faith. Definitely make sure you read those books. If there's nothing else that you do, make sure you read those books, The Animal Farm and The Gulag Archipelago, because I do think for what it's worth from where I'm sitting, I do think that there's a lot more going on than what you're being told is going on, given mm-hmm. the media that you watch. And if you think about the fact that this is exactly how Castro took over Cuba by sending these radio waves and making people believe certain facts, you know, it's, it's so, to me, it's almost glaringly obvious that this is what the news is trying to do is they're trying to tell you 
things are certain ways when it's not certain ways. From where I'm sitting, I'd actually like to know what you think about it because I've been reading, I read the Daily Wire a lot mm-hmm. and they're a conservative newspaper and they do, this is what I hate about American politics and, and where I sometimes think that America is not so good in the case because you guys have complete freedom of speech, right? Exactly. Except for when the except for when the speech incites violence, I think, or incites a certain action or something. A certain, in, in a certain type of violence. So it depends yeah. on where the violence comes from. And and so I think what's really a, a negative aspect that comes with that is there's a lot of stone throwing and you can basically the line between defamation and throwing stones at someone it's almost not very clear. And I think the thing that all the newspapers are doing wrong at the moment is quite often they don't report just the facts. They, they like to make someone out as X, Y, and Z at the oh, same yeah, no, time. It's, it's yellow journalism that's never really went away in America. Mm. And so for what it's worth, the Daily Wire, I feel like I'm working for the Daily Wire right now. They need to, they need to, pay, me, they need to pay me money if, I, if this goes viral. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but but um, that's probably the most objective news that I can see. And if, you, if you're worried about, if you've got this fear of um, being shot or something like that, you know, like when, say, say like when Jacob Blake happened, they immediately said, okay, this is what happened. We don't have all the facts. We don't know why he was going to his car. You know, like they, they, they don't, painted in any way at all. They don't go, this guy clearly deserved to die. Um, and with Rayshard Brooks as well, actually, they also agree that Rayshard Brooks was a major, major tragedy. But at the end of the day, he did grab a taser, he did shoot the taser, and then he did run away. You could argue that we don't know what would have happened had he gotten away. I don't think Rayshard Brooks was the kind of guy that would have gotten back into his car and drove off and then killed an innocent pe- person. I don't think that would have happened. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, the police still let's say he did drive his car and he did kill an innocent person, then the police would also be on the hook for negligent duty, right? Right. But be that as it may, my point is, is the, the, I don't know what you think about conservative media and if you read it much at all, or if you think conservative media is only um, Fox, (laughs) but um, there's, there's, there's news things that you can read if you do enjoy reading and you do enjoy politics that you can still read and come away with a, I, I think a reasonably objective uh, mindset, but I'd love to talk to you again in a month. Um, and if you've re- read the other side, I'd like to see what you think within a month from now. Yeah, I think I would definitely have to come back. So reading uh, American Farm, uh, Animal Farm and the Gulag Archipelago. Those I'll are the two books, yeah. I'll definitely be reading those uh, today. But I think conservative media is highly necessary. And we can get bogged down in chat and every movement ever created but there's if there's no objectivity you know we're, we're going an uphill battle when the battle's you know not even up the hill you know what i mean so yeah uh, it's yeah necessary to have both sides awesome man okay well i'm gonna stop it there because i don't know how many people would still be listening right now um, <laughs> oh, right, right, right. <laughs> but let's catch up again um saying about um uh, well if you guys want to do it earlier i'm, I'm up for catching up, up again earlier but um i'd say a month or so and then um it'll be really really cool especially with you guys um hyping up towards the elections it'll be interesting oh, to see yeah. what you guys think i'll definitely i'll definitely we'll take we'll definitely take you up on that offer um we, i know he expresses uh gratitude and the excitement about this podcast and i think this is going to this one's going to be different. I think a lot of people's going to hear this and this is going to, uh, this can do things. So, uh, I hope so. yeah. So once again, I guess I'll speak on Zach. 
uh, Zach's behalf and my behalf. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Uh, shout out to our podcast, Say What Needs Saying. Go follow us on Facebook at Say What Needs Saying. On Instagram, Say What Needs Saying. On Twitter, Say What Needs. Uh, and any place you find your podcast. We are so appreciative. This was a very fulling, worldly conversation that I think a lot more people need to hear or hear that's even that, to hear that it's possible. I think that's yes. Right. Yes, I, I have to say, when I heard you guys do your podcast, you gave me a huge amount of hope as well. Um, <laughs> so hopefully it's not just the three of us and we're all in our, little, uh, in our own little echo chamber. Right, we're in our own little bubble. <laughs> all right, take care, Brandon. And thanks heaps for, um, for your, your, your open-mindedness and having an awesome, awesome conversation. And to Zach also as well. I feel like we, we left the poor white guy out today. A little oh, bit. yeah. <laughs> Uh, but we'll 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 make sure we get Zach in on the on Trump Biden next time. One hundred percent. That'll be that's our one of our favorite conversations coming up. All right. Take care, Ed. You too. Bye bye. Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, please remember to like, subscribe, and leave us a five star rating. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at Say What Needs and on Instagram and Facebook at Say What Needs Saying for live updates and sound bites from our actual podcast. Don't forget to continue the discussion. Thank you for listening. Thanks.